Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 13 of the quarantine edition of my show. Today, I've made a few changes. So, I'm not having my normal COVID-19 sports news segment. I'll have that again next week. But I didn't think there was enough content for that this week. Plus, there's just a lot of live sports I have to talk about. So I split up my live sports into different sections. I'm going to talk about the NBA a little bit and the bubble situation going on. I'm going to talk about the UEFA Champions League round of 16 matches that took place this past weekend. But I have to start with the NHL playoffs. So a week ago when I did my show... Calgary had just played game number game number two, sorry, of the best of five series against the Winnipeg Jets. And so that's where I was a week ago. And now we've had every series come to a close. And we even have some official first round matchups. Because even though the NHL called these the, the qualifying round, we all know it's not. It's a best of five series, elimination on the line. These were playoff series. It might not be the official first round, but it's at least the unofficial first round of the playoffs. So, without wasting any more time, Flames and Jets. I'm going to start, of course, with this series. And I'm very happy to say the Flames won this series. They won with wins in game three and game four, coupled with their win in game number one. And so the Calgary Flames defeat the Winnipeg Jets in four games to advance to the official first round. I have a lot to say about this series, and I don't know if I have all the time I want for it, but I'm going to try my best. So first thing is that the biggest knock on Calgary a year ago was that their best players were terrible against Colorado. And that's not me being harsh, that's me being honest. And I think any player on that team would tell you they were terrible against Colorado a year ago. I am very, I can very happily say today that that wasn't the case against the Winnipeg Jets. The Calgary Flames' best players would actually play pretty well in this series. Johnny Goudreau, I know Goudreau maybe didn't get the the love he should have out of this series. I thought he played really well. I thought there was a good jump in his step. I thought he was dangerous in creating chances. I thought he looked confident on the puck. Like, it looked like the Johnny Goudreau that I think Flames fans are used to seeing as opposed to the one we got a year ago. Sean Monaghan looked like 20, 2019, oh, sorry, excuse me, 2017 Sean Monaghan against the Anaheim Ducks. That looked like the Sean Monaghan that we were used to seeing in a playoff series. Elias Lindholm, I thought, played really well. I thought Giordano played really well in this series. And Matthew Kachuk finally had himself a good playoff series as well. So it was fantastic to see all around from the Flames' best players stepping up like they didn't do a year ago. But of course, praise has to be going around the team. The defense in general, I think, played really well. Gustafson on the power play, I really liked him having... I really liked him at the point on that top power play unit. And also TJ Brody. TJ Brody, a year ago against Colorado, was the worst player on the ice. 
And I don't think it takes a hockey genius to notice that. But he was, to me, easily the worst player on the ice a year ago. That wasn't the case this year. Brody, I think, played really well. And he deserves so much credit for everything he's gone through over the last, you know, 12 to 16 months as a player, as a person. Like, I think TJ Brody deserves a ton of praise for the way he was able to bounce back. And even though he had that scary incident, you know, at midway point in the season this year, the fact that he was able to come back from that and just... Overall, I'm really happy for Brody. He's a guy who rightfully got slammed and criticized for his terrible performance. But he was able to bounce back, and he played really well in this series. And so Brody, full full credit goes to him for rebounding and essentially having kind of a, a nice little do-over for what happened against Colorado. And then there's Sam Bennett. So Sam Bennett, if there was some kind of way that we could bottle up whatever he has in the playoffs and just inject him with it in the regular season, that would be great because Bennett would be a mainstay and an integral piece of the Calgary Flames. The weird thing is, he's great in the playoffs, but for some reason, he can't really do that in the regular season. Like Sam Bennett, there are times in the regular season where he looks like he's barely a roster player. And then in the playoffs, it's like, oh yeah, that's why he was the number four pick. But wait, why can't he play like that every game? I actually don't know the answer to that. That's probably beyond my knowledge of Sam Bennett himself and potentially just the way athletes' mindsets work. I really don't know why he's so good in the playoffs but so mediocre in the regular season. But I will happily take it as a Flames fan because Sam Bennett was very, very good in this series. Love seeing that from him, and I expect to see more in the next round, which I'll get to in a little bit. On the Winnipeg Jets side, obviously, it kind of didn't feel like a fair fight. They lost five regular players in this series to injuries. And for a team that had so many injuries throughout the season before the stoppage, and then now it was just a piling on effect really for the Jets. And so I feel bad. Obviously, it just wasn't meant to be for the Winnipeg Jets this year. This is still a really good team. And even though the defense needs some work, for sure, they got, I think, a fantastic goaltender in Connor Halibut. I think they got some really good forwards. They just need a little more help on the defensive side of the puck. And finally, Cam Talbot, who actually, big shout out, because he got the first shutout in a closeout game for a Flames goalie since Mika Kiprasov. So that's pretty awesome little statistic. But nonetheless, Calgary is through. Very happy to see that all around from the Flames. And now on to the next series where I will have to eat a pretty big slice of humble pie because I was way off on this one. So Montreal and Pittsburgh. In my predictions, I said that Pittsburgh would win in three because I made the point about how I didn't think Montreal was even close to being as good as Pittsburgh. And game one kind of showed that was sort of true. But as the series went on, Montreal 
and full credit to them, this was a team that showed a ton of heart. They showed a lot of maturity, a lot of toughness, and ultimately, it looked like they outworked the Penguins in this series. It looked like Montreal was going to work harder than Pittsburgh, and that coupled with good goaltending, I think, gave them a bit of an edge over Pittsburgh. Even though Pittsburgh's way more talented than Montreal, I was way wrong on this one. Montreal wins in four over the Penguins. Kotkaniemi had a great series. Nick Suzuki, I think, had a great series. A lot of the Montreal youngsters, I think, were really, really good. And of course, Carey Price turning back the clock a few years for his stellar performance. For Pittsburgh, I mean, Crosby and Malkin weren't bad in this series, but certainly you expect a little bit more out of those guys. But the big liability was Jack Johnson. He was on the East. He seemingly was on the ice for almost every goal that Montreal scored. And so with the cap hit he has, I don't know how easy it is to make moves, especially in an offseason where the salary cap won't be going up. But Jack Johnson definitely was an anchor in, or sorry, I should say he was pulling down the Pittsburgh defense that overall I don't think played that well in this series. But full credit to Montreal, they advanced into the official first round. And by the way, I'm recording this after the NHL draft lottery, and I'm very happy to say that Pittsburgh did not get the number one overall pick because that would be a little bit overpowered for a franchise who've certainly had their fair share of luck in draft lotteries. Speaking of luck in draft lotteries, the Edmonton Oilers, also a team. Thank God they didn't win the lottery today. But the Chicago Blackhawks with a huge upset over the Edmonton Oilers. And I know there's a lot of parallels between the Penguins and the Oilers as far as the way they both lost and the memes online certainly showed a lot of that. And it was pretty funny. I'm not going to sit here and say anything otherwise. Laughing at the Oilers is kind of a staple for Flames fans over the last 20 years. And Edmonton didn't help themselves, essentially, in this series. Chicago win the, won the series in four games. Edmonton's defense. Man, oh man, Edmonton's defense. It's been a problem for, like, well over 10 years. But for some reason... There's a big lack of neglect, or sorry, there's a big element of neglect as far as Edmonton addressing their defensive problems. And there's also a big issue of player development, where the Oilers haven't been able to develop players properly. So Edmonton's defense was tied for the worst in the entire qualifying rounds, giving up 16 goals. In just four games. I mean, how are you supposed to win games? You're giving up 16 goals in four games. And that, by the way, is not just goaltending. That is mostly defensive, in my opinion. That's mostly on the defense. Because it didn't matter if it was Mike Smith or Mikko Koskinen. It really didn't matter. That defense was just terrible. And I felt bad for Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, if he didn't score a hat trick, the Oilers would have been swept. Because McDavid scored a hat-trick in game number two, they didn't get swept. And this is by a Chicago team that I should mention, despite the fact they, did, they do have three Stanley Cups in recent memory, this is a team that is certainly well over the hill. They have a lot of young guys who maybe aren't 
quite 100% proven yet. And they're led on defense by a 37-year-old Duncan Keith who can still skate circles around all of the Oilers defensemen. And that's kind of how the series can be explained. The Oilers, in their own building, in their own city, on their own ice, took a too many men on the ice call when they were trying to tie the game, and they lost to Chicago. It's very funny. And the Oilers, they kind of deserve it. They've done a horrible job in actually trying to build this team. And thankfully, because they didn't win the draft lottery, they're not going to be given a get-out-of-jail-free card. This is a team that has a huge, huge problem on defense. And they're not going to fix it with luck. They're going to have to fix it through actual hard work, player development, which has been non-existent in that city for a long time. And they're going to have to try and fix it with smart trades. And Ken Holland, he's the GM of the Oilers. He's only been there for a short period of time, so I'm not going to pin this on him. This problem existed long before Holland came. But he's got a large, large laundry list ahead of him. Next one, Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs. This was the only series to go five games as Columbus defeated Toronto in five with a 3-0 win in game number five. This series to me is pretty simple. Just like the Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs defense is terrible. And Frederick Anderson let in a bad goal in an elimination game again. And the Maple Leafs had an entire forward line worth over $30 million a season. And they didn't score a single goal in two of the games. The Leafs got shut out twice. And Columbus were more than worthy of deserving a spot in the official first round. Because Toronto, if you get shut out twice and you're a team built on your offense, it's hard to win games. It's hard to even justify spending the money on the players that you do when they don't score in games that matter. Just my thought. That's not to say they didn't play that well. I mean, Austin Matthews, I think, played pretty well in this series. But, again, your team got shut out twice. It's still, you know, the shoulder go or the responsibility, I should, I should say, uh, is shouldered by everybody. Vancouver and Minnesota. So this one, Vancouver's talent came through and ended up being the difference, in my opinion, over the Minnesota Wild. Quinn Hughes. And it's hard for me to give praise to the Vancouver Canucks, but Quinn Hughes, man, oh man, this guy is insanely good. He looks like a very, very special defenseman. And this is really good experience for Vancouver. This is a young team, hasn't really been in the playoffs before, and now they're going to get another series to really prove themselves with this young team. So got to give credit where credit is due. Vancouver deserves it in this case. The next few series is just a couple of quick notes. Carolina beats the New York Rangers in a sweep. It was pretty easy. Sebastian Ajo was easily the best player in the series. Maybe the best player in the entire qualifying round. He really was spectacular. The New York Islanders defeated the Florida Panthers in four games. I will happily admit that I was wrong about that. The Islanders, they're, they're a very cheerable team. I kind of like their story a lot. Sergei Bobrovsky, though. Man, oh man, that is a... That looks like a big waste of money right now for the Panthers. And finally, the Coyotes defeated the Predators in four. Arizona's big players, Clayton Keller, Ekman Larson, Hall, Kessel, all played really well. And that, I think, for me, was the difference over the Nashville Predators. 
So overall, I went four and four. I have four correct predictions, four incorrect predictions in the qualifying rounds. So we'll see how much better I do here in the official first round. So we have Vegas versus Chicago. I'm going to pick the Golden Knights to win it in five games. We'll see. Maybe Chicago can prove me wrong twice. Colorado takes on Arizona. I have Colorado winning in five. Colorado is my pick to win the Stanley Cup. So it makes sense that I would pick them in this series. Arizona, I like their team, but I just think Colorado is super stacked in most positions. The Dallas Stars play the Calgary Flames in the first round, the official one. And I know I've said before that I my teams tend to do well when I pick against them. But just like I did with the Flames in the qualifying round, I'm going to pick the Flames. I'm going to say Calgary wins in seven over the Dallas Stars. And then St. Louis plays Vancouver. I'm going to say that the defending champion Blues will win it in six. I think Vancouver can push them, but I don't think they can quite win it. In the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia plays Montreal. Once again, Montreal could certainly prove me wrong again, but I'm going to pick the Philadelphia Flyers to win in six games. Tampa Bay gets Columbus in a rematch of last year's first round, which should be fantastic. I'm going to pick the Jackets to beat him again, mostly because I don't believe in Tampa Bay's big players. I think the Lightning, their big players have some kind of mental block in big games, and I'm picking Columbus in seven. For that reason Washington plays the New York Islanders I'm gonna pick the Washington Capitals to win in six and then Boston gets Carolina and I know the seat the round robin games might not be super indicative of the way the Bruins are gonna play but I love the way the Hurricanes looked I'm gonna pick Carolina to win in seven in what is a rematch of the Eastern Conference final so that's all my hockey stuff I'll get to the NBA stuff here really quickly. So just a couple of notes. Again, the NBA postseason starts next week. So that'll be really exciting to look forward to. I'll have a preview of the first round on my show next week. TJ Warren, though. I mean, if this guy isn't the best story of the NBA bubble, I don't know what it is. TJ Warren was traded away for cash considerations by the Philadelphia 76ers. And in the bubble, so far in the five games he's played, He's got 34.8 points per game, 60.5% shooting from the field, and shooting 55% from three, and is a plus 80, which leads the entire NBA. That coming from StatMuse of Twitter. I mean, if, if that isn't a great story, I don't know what is. Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks is really, really good. This guy is stupidly insane because the numbers he puts up are completely unprecedented for his age. And he did that again against the Milwaukee Bucks. And so Dallas, probably a year away as a team. But Luka's, I mean, he's already one of the best players in the entire league. And then the, finally, the Pelicans and the Kings, they are now out of the race for the play-in game. It's heating up right now. Portland and Memphis and Phoenix are really, really close. San Antonio also in the mix. Can't ever count them out. And the Raptors did secure the number two C with a win over Memphis. In the MLS tournament side, Orlando and Portland are meeting in the finals. Philadelphia lost to Portland and Minnesota lost to Orlando. The final goes tomorrow. I'll have a little bit of a recap of the final on my show next week. And finally, the UEFA Champions League. So the Champions League round of 16 games, I technically got three out of four, right? As far as the second legs of the round of 16. But of course, it's not really fair to 
pick those games because you already have some level of expectation going in considering the first leg would have already been played but there was a few things to mention so Barcelona beat Napoli Messi was great again you know sky is blue that type of thing Bayern Munich beat Chelsea and pretty handedly I will admit so Barcelona will play Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals that goes quarterfinals are this week so should be really exciting I'll have all of that recapped next week Manchester City beat Real Madrid because Rafael Varane, and, and I'll give Varane some credit, he owned up to this, but it was terrible, terrible mistakes from Rafa Varane. And this is a guy who has played in every big game imaginable. He's won the Champions League with Real Madrid. He's won the FIFA World Cup with France. He's been in the final of Euro 2016, like... This guy has played in every big game imaginable, and so it was really weird seeing him play so poorly in such a big game. But nonetheless, Manchester City is through, and they were my pick to win the whole thing, so I guess we'll see how far they go. They play Leon in the quarterfinals, the only game I got wrong, because Juventus lost on away goals. So they won the game 2-1, to one, but Leon had the away goal, so they end up advancing into the quarterfinals. And this game, can I just say, whoever was the video assistant referee, the guy who's up in the booth looking at the replays, he better be, like, demoted or suspended or something because, oh, man. For anyone who hasn't seen the highlights of this game, it is terrible. The referee gave away two horrible penalties both ways, and the VAR ref, who's supposed to be there to correct mistakes let him go and I can't for the life of me explain why Leon got a penalty early in the game because Bentancourt of Juventus and I've watched this replay at least 10 times Bentancourt made a slide tackle and won the ball clear like clear as day he e easily kicked the ball first cleared it away and then you know the Leon player trips over top of him and he gets called for a penalty and somehow I mean, okay, I can forgive the referee on the field for making a mistake because it's real time and, you know, it was happening really fast. You know, referees make mistakes. That happens. But the for the guy in the booth to look at the replay and for him to say, yeah, that was okay. Like, what are you doing, man? Come on. That was such a terrible call. And then at the other end, and this one was also terrible. So Memphis Depay, he was in the wall. And he, of course, you know, you're in the wall to block a shot from the free kick. And so Juve got given a penalty because Memphis Depay, he had his arm against his side. And then he had his fist over top of the opposite side of his chest. So he, if you can imagine just he has his fist, you know, on the right hand side of his chest. His arm is right against his body and he jumps to block the ball and it hits his hand and it's called a handball. For anybody who doesn't know, I was a soccer referee for about five years. And when it comes to the rule of handball, it has to do with intent in most situations. They did change the rule a little bit when it comes to scoring goals, but that's a whole nother conversation. But in regards to this situation, basically, the rule tends to... The best way to explain this is that the ball either hits the hand or the hand hits the ball. And it's about, it's about determining intent. 
So for Memphis Depay to have his arm by his side and his hand on his chest and for him to never once move his hand towards the ball and for the ball to hit it and for that to be called a penalty is insane to me. Beyond terrible call. So Juventus scored that. Cristiano Ronaldo scored a little bit later in the game, but Juve couldn't get it done in the end. But it's kind of a shame because this should have gone to extra time. This should not have been an outright win for Leon, but the referee in the VAR booth who's looking at replays maybe shouldn't have that job. But that's just my opinion. Nonetheless, that's it. That's all I got for today. I know it was a lot of hockey stuff. Don't worry, I'll have a lot more basketball next week as the NBA gets into their playoffs. The Champions League will be done the quarterfinals for my show next week, so I'll have a lot on that as well. But for everyone who listens all the way through, I want to thank you so much for listening in. And once again, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe, everybody.